Oh, listen, dear one, I am thrilled to announce I have a brand new private coaching container opening up called Full Immersion Coaching. This is you and me working together privately as I become your mentor and soul guide for an entire year, providing you with the full support you need to grow a massively successful and prosperous heart-led business. To get all the details, DM me on Facebook or Instagram or send an email to allison at allisonscammell.com and say, tell me more about Full Immersion Coaching. I look forward to hearing from you. Hey ho, dear ones. Today we're gonna be talking about passion and passion projects. And I'm gonna be sharing with you some of my journey with one of my big passion projects of my life. And that is my passion for foreign language learning. And foreign language learning is a funny thing. It's just our own mother tongue. We speak with such, it's like breathing. It's just something we've been doing since our earliest days. And it comes so naturally And then when you try to do the same thing with someone else's language, it can be so challenging. It's really interesting how something so easy for one person, if you're learning a foreign language and you're speaking to someone of that native tongue, how hard it is for you and how easy it is for them. It's interesting. It's like, you know, you're learning to swim and you're having a a swimming lesson with an Olympic caliber swimmer while you're just learning to swim. It's not something that often happens when you look at other passions where a beginner is with an Olympian, right? But when you foreign language learn and when you're speaking to someone of that native tongue, that's what it is. You know, a a jalopy racing a Ferrari. (laughs) So, so if you're the jalopy, it's intimidating. It's scary. It's, it's, it's like, I can't do this. But the having a conversation with someone from who is of that native tongue is so, so, so helpful for you to learn. And it's in many ways critical for you to learn. So I have had a real journey with foreign languages that has always been a passion of mine. And sometimes I've prioritized that passion and sometimes, and I regret to say, often I haven't prioritized that passion. And regret is a key word here, which we're really going to be unpacking in today's super powerful episode about passion projects. And you can define passion project any way you wish. If you have a passion project for your business or for your work, you can use the tips and tricks I'm going to offer in today's episode to know which ones to prioritize. However, I'm really talking about the non-work-related passions here and why those passions are so important and how to prioritize them. So let's get to it. In today's episode, I reveal why exploring non-work or non-business related passions is so important, how to know which passions to prioritize, and how to fit your passions into your very busy schedule. 
I'll end on an invitation that will have you living a more harmonious, joy-filled life because you're prioritizing the things you're most passionate about. So please stay with me until the end. Welcome to Soul Guide Radio, a podcast for soul-guided leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs here to bring about change on a massive level. We'll explore how you can activate your big soul mission, amplify your spiritual gifts, and clear the energy blocks weighing you down so you can gain unstoppable momentum in life and business. I'm Allison Scammell, your host and soul guide. Hello, Soul Guide Circle. That is the name of this community of soul-guided leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs. In the Soul Guide Circle, we are here to make a massive impact, lift up humanity, and reach our full spiritual potential. Find a link to join on our closed Facebook group at alisonscammell.com or in the show notes. All right, today's episode is about passion projects. And I'm in the process of learning Dutch. I'm originally from the United States. I live in Holland. And I'm on my two-year anniversary of the Dutch language. It's a very difficult language. I am conversant in five languages. I wouldn't say I'm fluent in any of them right now, although I have attained fluency in the past with a couple of those languages. When I was in the Peace Corps, I lived in Romania, and I definitely got very fluent in Romanian because I was speaking it all the time. But then, you know, you move away and you stop using your flexing these muscles and like anything, you start to lose it. And I think with some things, that's okay to maybe five years ago, you had a passion that you're no longer passionate about, and that's perfectly okay. But if let's say five years ago you had a passion, then you had kids, you launched a business and things happen and you're no longer pursuing that passion and it feels bad. It feels bad that you're not pursuing it. That's really what we want to go to. And we want to go to that really key guiding emotion, regret. I regret that I'm not pursuing that passion anymore. Those are the ones that are trying to get our attention. But why does it matter anyway? Why is exploring non-work, non-business related passions important? Well, it gets back to our overall energy frequency. At the end of the day, (laughs) our goal in life, our soul journey is really all about raising our overall energy frequency to higher and higher vibrations. And when we do that, We spend more of our day in higher vibrational emotions. Joy, love, peace, connection, harmony. And when we're in those higher vibrational emotions, we create more powerfully, we manifest more powerfully, we love deeper, we connect in more harmonious ways with other people. Things in life start to come into place and we tap into the ease and flow of life that's available to us to tap into. So, of course, we all want work that we feel passionate about. We all want to do things, create 
things, effort in our life in a way where we're passionate in our work and we're getting paid money for that work. That is, I think, a goal for all of us. And you can only spend so much of a given week pursuing work that you have the goal, like with the intention that you will get paid for this. So this is, you know, work in exchange for money or exchange for something of similar value. There's a finite number of hours that you can dedicate in a week to that and remain high vibrational. At a certain point, you get tired of it. You get burnt out. Your body will call you to rest, take a break, and do something different. And what happens when we are spending too much of our time in a given week in our business, we do get overly tired. So when we push our chair away from the computer screen or what, what whatever you do to end your duty day, and if you've expended too much energy, you're going to be tired and the default mode is going to be to watch television or zone out with your phone. And that's a very low vibrational frequency to be in. And it's understandable because you're tired and you just need to go in screensaver mode for a while. And a little bit of television each week or scrolling social news feeds is quite okay, but that shouldn't be your primary thing to look forward to after your duty day is over. And I think for most of us, and I am talking from an experience here, people, we overdo it in our duty day so we don't have the energy for any other passions that would actually give us energy deposits and raise our overall energy frequency. And I submit we all need passion projects outside of our work that at least one of them doesn't really involve the family. Now, it's great if you're a parent, if you're in a partnership, to have passion projects where other people can get involved, your kids, your partner, great. And I really think we all need something that's just for us. It's for us to pursue. It's your passion project. It's your dream. Because I think it's really hard if you're, say, a family of four to, you know, ask each person what is their biggest passion project, you're all going to come up with different answers. I think it's very unusual where you'd all come up with the same list of five passion projects. So your passion project needs to be the thing that lights you up the most, the thing that you just love. You just love. And you just do it for the love of doing it. That's what makes it special. When you do something for work, there's all there. Yes, it can just bring you an amazing amount of joy. And you're doing it also for a lot of reasons to make the planet a better place, to create from the heart, to serve your people. And you have bills to pay. And you're trying to attract income in so you can pay those bills. So that's always kind of there. It's like, one of our obligations in life, you know, we have to attract an income to put food on the table. Now, you can be in your business and shift your energy so you're not overly focused on that, and that's a good thing to do. But at the end of the day, having a passion project that is has nothing to do 
with your electricity bill. And as everything to do, you're doing it because your heart is calling you to do it and it brings you joy. It brings you joy. And that is the essence of the passion project or just the passion. So how do we know which ones to prioritize? Because I know some of you out there are like, I know you manifesting generators, you generators, you're going to be like, I have a million passion projects swirling around in my head and I want to pursue all of them. I love you. I feel you. And prioritization is really about what you have the bandwidth for and more importantly, what you're willing to make the bandwidth for for the next 12 months. So you can have 100 passion projects, and it doesn't mean if you prioritize three for the next 12 months, the other ones will never get done. It's just about if we have too many passion projects that we want to pursue, we will get into overwhelm and end up not pursuing any of them because we won't know where to start. But if you say, I'm going to pick this top one, two, or three For the next six months, 12 months, that will give you your next best step. And ultimately, you can only get so much clarity about anything inside your mind, exploring it, like what it would be like in your mind. The only way to really know if something is going to bring you the passion you're looking for is by tipping your toe in those waters and seeing And especially you, Manny, Jennies, and generators, your strategy is to respond. So you have to tip your toe in a water of a potential passion project to know if you want to keep going in the water or if you want to go to a different pool, right? A great place to start is taking inventory. What are all the potential passion projects that you could pursue. And a passion project is really anything that is, and, and we're gonna focus on the patches, the passion projects for you, not the family ones, not the you know partnership ones, just your personal proje- passion projects that are just outside of your work and would give you joy. So it could be a hobby, it could be learning a foreign language. It could be learning a new dance. You know, often it involves learning something, working with your hands, cooking, you know, really anything, anything that's in the non-work related category, that's something you want to pursue and get better at and get no- more knowledgeable about because it brings you joy, simply because it brings you joy. And certainly, if someday you want to monetize your passion project, that's beautiful. But again, for the purposes of this episode, we're not thinking about monetization. We're thinking about joy. You're getting paid in joy. And it is a theme of 2023. The new currency is well-being. And we are shifting collectively to being motivated by money I'm going to effort because I want to get money and that is my motivation to being motivated by well-being. And yes, we got to work to make money to pay our bills. We're still there. We haven't evolved beyond. (laughs) We haven't ascended beyond paying our bills. However, money in 
in its true form is going to motivate all of us less and less and less. And we are going to all start feeling more motivated by joy and peace and happiness and what lights us up and what brings us passion. So we're going to make our inventory. And you define passion project by anything that is not work-related and gives you joy. Okay, and then once you have your list, I want you to go through and just cross out any ones that are obviously not passions that you would want to pursue in the next 12 months. So they might be passions for next year or five years, but we're looking for the passions to pursue in the next 12 months. And then once you've whittled your list down a little bit, we're going to go through the list twice. And the first time you go, I want you to go through each and every passion project and ask yourself, how would it feel to not pursue this? To not put time, money, effort, energy behind this passion project this year. And notice that guiding emotion of regret Where would it feel worse and most regretful not to pursue it? Those are the passion projects trying to call your name. And we're ideally trying to whittle this down to three. Now, if you are a generator, manifesting generator, I would give you up to five. But if you're a projector, you only get three. Projectors, we need focused energy. And for manifestors, projectors, and reflectors, I would really keep it to three because we have that open sacral, which means we have a very finite amount of energy and we have to watch what's in our energy and we can't overdo it. So you generator, Manny Jennies, with defined sacrals, you may choose up to five tops. And we with undefined sacrals, manifestors, projectors, reflectors, you, we get up to three. So go through the list one more time, and then we want to go into the high vibe emotions. How would it feel to pursue it? And I want you to sink into your body and really feel into it. And you're looking for where your body is expanding the most. Yes, energy is always, it's an expanding out. It's creating more space in your experience. No energy always has a contracting feel to it where you feel like you're coming in inside your shell, hunching down instead of expanding out free. Yes, energy always feels like freedom. And you can follow your signature emotion as part of your human design type. So manifestors, you're looking for what would feel most peaceful. Generators, what would feel most satisfying. Manifesting generators, what would feel like freedom. Projectors, what would feel successful. And you're looking for that soul-aligned feeling of success. And for reflectors, what would feel like harmony. And you'll eventually, if you do go through this list three times, you will eventually get from your top three to five. And if you go through the list three times in this way, you will get to your top passion projects. And, you know, getting back to my example of the foreign language learning, it's not like foreign language learning is always fun. I mean, it's hard. And I have days where I'm like, I don't want to sit down and learn Dutch grammar 
For my Dutch speakers who are listening to this, why do the verbs always have to go on the end? I think it's like, in the Dutch language, you can never finish someone else's sentence. My mom and my sister, bless them, they're always finishing my sentences and it drives me nuts. Just like, let me say my sentence. You cannot do that in the Dutch language because the verb comes at the end. So you like, I don't know where this person is going. And we're talking like you can have a long sentence and you don't know what's really happening in the sentence until the verb comes on the end. I never understood that, but I think it's a way that <laughs> whoever designed the Dutch language, it's like, you will be listening to my full sentence and you will not be cutting me off or finishing my sentences because you won't really know what's happening until the very end. So in a way, you know, it does create for a polite conversation, but it's an interesting language. It's so literal. It is just the most literal language. You know, there's this lore, Dutch lore, and who knows if this is true or if it's apocryphal, but for so much of the history of the Netherlands, they always worried about flooding. You know, before they had the waterworks and the dikes and the built-up dunes that actually protects Holland from being overrun by the Atlantic Ocean, it was like an on-the-daily worry that we might get flooded. So they had to come up with a very direct, literal language to get their point across very, very quickly without a lot of explanation. And so that is what I really love about the language. So some examples of how Dutch can be so literal is like the bedroom is the slapkammer, which means sleep room because that's the room you sleep in. A swimming pool is a svembad. That means swim bath right? An employer is a werkgeber, and that is a work giver. So anyway, just those aren't even the best examples. I couldn't even come up. There's just some spectacular examples of how literal this language can be, which is what I find so charming about it. So anyway, when you're thinking about these passion projects, there will probably be times where you don't really feel like pursuing it because it's work and you have to learn something. And you know, you might not feel like it. That's when you really want to think of the overall picture. You know, I think of myself in two years, if I imagine myself in two years, still terrible at Dutch, not being able to have a conversation, not understanding, struggling at my daughter's school, which is a Dutch speaking school, and the lingua franca is Dutch. It's not English. They really don't like and they don't speak English there. It's like, hey, at this Spielplein, which is Play Square, <laughs> that's like the where they have their recess. We speak Dutch here, people. And so if I imagine myself at the Spielplein in two years struggling with Dutch, that feels terrible. And that feels very regretful. So when I look at the long-term picture of things, That gives me motivation. I have a one-on-one teacher who's lovely, Inika, and she and I meet every Friday from 9 to 10. I'm doing one-on-one instruction, which is a way that I really love to learn. And so she comes over to my house. We have coffee. We spend about 45 minutes gossiping in Dutch about whatever, what's happening. She also, we have daughters the same age, 
and she sends her daughter to the school across the street for my daughter. So we're normally talking about something with the school and the other parents and the teachers and this and that. And then we spend about 15 minutes on grammar and vocab and verb conjugation. But at least the gossip is in Dutch, right? And that's what I tell my husband because he's like, do you guys even do any grammar? I'm like, sure we do. We do grammar, gossip grammar. It's the best kind. So I typically have about three hours of Dutch homework a week, and I've done two hours, and I have one hour left, and I meet with her tomorrow. So, you know, there's a big piece of me that's like, oh, I'd rather watch TV tonight and kick it and relax and put my feet up than do that last hour of Dutch. But if I think ahead in two years' time, and if I don't have the Dutch language acquisition that I really long to have and yearn to have and feel passionate about having... That feels regretful. So I am going to find time sometime today or tomorrow morning. Sometimes I do do the last hour of homework on Friday morning at about 5.30 a.m. And that's fine. I'm a morning person. Yeah, that feels good. It feels hard. It feels challenging, but it feels good. And ultimately for me, because foreign language learning is a passion, I absolutely love, like big L love, when I'm starting to really get a language and I'm starting to get conversant that I'm sitting there speaking to a native in their language and we're understanding each other and I'm rocking and rolling. I love that. I love that so much. I feel passionate about that ability to speak in other people's languages. And to be honest, you know, thinking about this word regret, I typically don't feel regret in life. It's just not an emotion. I typically go after what I want. So therefore, there isn't regret because I'm pursuing the things that I want to pursue. And I will tell you, if I had to name, it's really like when I look back at my life, do you have any regrets, Allison? I can name one, to be honest, one big one. There might be some minor ones here and there, but my one big regret is that I didn't start language learning when I was like Freya's age. Freya's six and she's bilingual in English and Dutch. She wants to learn French. She wants to learn Spanish and she's really good at languages. I know all kids are good. I get it. But I really feel like my husband is a linguist. My husband is a polyglot. He's brilliant at languages. I am not too shabby. And I think she gets this. Pete and I have passed on our passion for languages to her. And I really regret that I didn't have opportunities to learn foreign language at a younger age. And to be honest, if I could do college over again, university over again, I did a double major in political science and broadcast journalism. I would have majored in French and Spanish. And I would have done semesters abroad, you know, in a Spanish-speaking country, in a French-speaking country. And I would have been, you know, by the time I graduated from college, I'd have two additional foreign languages that I'd be fluent in. And then I would just keep, I would have just kept going from there. And I also regret, so I regret not starting younger, And I also regret in some of the countries I did live in, 
that I didn't spend more time pursuing that foreign language and that I just relied on English. Like in Brussels, when we lived in Brussels, I started learning French and I got pretty good at French. And then I got pregnant with Freya and had Freya and then the French language learning just stopped. And I wish it wouldn't have. You know, I was a new mom and I was figuring it out and it's okay. I have compassion on myself. I get why. But if I could do it over again, I wouldn't have let it slide. I would have gone back to, I was making amazing momentum on French. I was taking French classes up to the point where I was nine months pregnant. I I still remember my French class got me the nicest baby gift for our lat for my last French class. And I was so like all hormonal and crying. I still have those gifts and I wish I would have returned to it. And then we ended up leaving Brussels and I wasn't in a French speaking environment anymore. And my French, you know, just stopped. And, and then, of course, if you don't use it, it starts to atrophy like anything, right? So regret is a powerful guide. It's a powerful, powerful emotion. I'm going to tell you guys something. I spend a lot of time with a lot of crossed over souls. To be honest, this usually comes up when I'm in client sessions and I'm doing a past life regression with someone and we're trying to find, we're, we're, we're in the process of a re- releasing a wound that they have in this lifetime and we're going back to either the origin of the wound or we're going back to the lifetime where the wound was really got, you know, really triggered. So there was like a big trauma. And so I go back, you know, I just let, in the process, I allow the lifetime to appear, the one that wants to be shared. And so I'll go through and I'll share what happened in the lifetime and what the nature of the trauma is. And then I always check in to see at what age they crossed over, because it's always more traumatic to cross over at a younger age than when you're in elderhood. And almost all. Always, when I do these past lifetime regressions, there is some regret as a primary emotion as they're crossing over. It's regret. Now, it's regret for different things, you know, depending on the person, depending on the lifetime. But the emotion is almost always there. Regret. Regret. It's a very low vibrational emotion. And it's an emotion we have a lot of power over. We have a lot of power over our regret because we can look into, well, so if it's regret, in my case, I can't go back to college and redo my majors. So I need to make peace with that regret and release that. And I'm like, I didn't realize at the time, you know, at the time I was following what I was passionate about at the time. So it was all part of my path, right? So I release any regret I feel around things that have already happened in the past. And I go to, well, how can I stop regretting today? How can I stop regretting that I didn't learn foreign languages at a younger age and I didn't spend time learning the language of the countries I've lived in? Well, I'll tell you one thing, my dear ones. I'm learning Dutch. I'm learning Dutch each and every day. I watch Dutch news. I read Dutch books. I try to have as many Dutch conversations as I can. 
before the Dutch person smells English on me and switches to English. Try to get as much Dutch as I can in. And I'm getting better. Ik kan heel goed praten nu. Maar het is een heel moeilijke taal. And I'm getting better and better. And I'm able to participate at my child's school. And I don't have any regrets about it. In fact, what I really have about it is passion. All right, y'all. Let's move into how to fit your passion projects into super busy schedules. And I'm going to keep with my little Dutch example. When I first got here to Holland, and I've been here about two and a half years now, my husband, who is completely bilingual fluent in Dutch, was like, you have to learn Dutch, you have to learn Dutch, you have to learn Dutch. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just got too much other stuff going on. And so I wasn't prioritizing it. And I was sweeping it under the carpet. And then I started to realize like, yeah, Dutch people speak English, but I need to learn Dutch at the same time. Like we are not living in an expatriate bubble full of people who just speak English. We live in a Dutch community where everybody speaks Dutch and we send Freya to a Dutch school. So this is important. But still, I was telling my husband, okay, I see how important it is, but I'm still kicking this can down the road which is what I'd done in the past. Well, guess what he did? And I'm so thankful he did. He found Enika, my Dutch instructor, and he just signed me up. <laughs> now he was taking some advanced, he started by taking, he was taking advanced Dutch, which he didn't need, but he wanted to like go next level, PhD level with his Dutch. So he actually hired her first for him. And then he basically asked me what, you know, what day of the week would be the best for me. And he booked my first session with her. And so what he did was create a forcing function. Forcing functions are a great thing to do if you've had passion projects on your mind, but you just have been procrastinating like I was. Sign up for a class. Just Get it on the calendar. Put some money behind it. Doesn't have to be a lot of money. But if you say, you know, are passionate about painting, sign up for a painting class. And if it's Monday at 4 p.m., you're going to be there. You're going to make the time for it. So create forcing functions where it forces you to go. And that usually can mean a good way to do that is just signing up for some sort of class or some sort of instruction or an online class or whatever, you put some money behind it, you are much more likely to show up. Also, just block it off the calendar. Now, this is tricky because you can block it off the calendar and then just like blow through that time working and doing other things. But try to block it off the calendar and make it conditional. So let's stay with the example of you want to learn how to paint and you've blocked it off your calendar, you know, four to five every Monday, but you keep working through it. And then before you know it, your your canvas is blank. You haven't touched your paints and you don't know why, like why I want to paint. I'm passionate about this. Why do I keep working through it? Well, 
what you can do is set a timer. So when the timer goes off at four o'clock, it's like signaling you time to paint and then make it conditional. So where you make a rule that let's say there's something you really like, there's really a, a series that you've been following that you really love to watch in the evenings and tell yourself, I cannot watch my series that evening until I get one hour of painting in or 15 minutes of painting. That's another thing. If you're feeling really stuck and procrastinating, make your first steps very simple. Don't block off five hours for painting and set to your mind that you're going to paint a masterpiece in those five hours. Just say, all right, I've been procrastinating. I just set the intention to paint for 15 minutes today. This really worked for me. This sort of making conditions really worked well for me when I was really wanting to fortify my nightly meditation routine. And I was just like, it kept falling off my agenda. So I made it conditional in that I love to do the New York Times crossword puzzle. I I love puzzles. I love games. And so I made it the condition that I cannot do my nightly New York Times crossword puzzle until I've meditated for at least 10 minutes. And ever since I made that condition, I've basically never missed my meditation. So conditions really, really, really work. And the other thing you can do is just put it all into perspective. And if if it's a passion project that's giving you a lot of regret for not pursuing it, Just look into the crystal ball in a year or two and imagine in two years time, you've done nothing to pursue that passion. How would that feel? Would it feel awful? Yeah, it would. So allow that regret to serve as a guide telling you that this is important for you and should be prioritized and it's motivation. And then, of course, we're doing these passion projects not to feel regret, but to to get out of those low vibrational emotions into high vibrational emotions like passion, if you are feeling particularly stuck or procrastinating, focus on the thing about your passion project you love to do the most. Like, I really like reading in Dutch. I don't know why. And I really do like chewing the fat with my Dutch teacher. I like to tell her stories in Dutch. And so I'll think about like a particular story I want to tell her and I'll, I'll, if I don't know a word, like I'll look up all the vocab and I'll actually practice telling her a story I want to tell her before our class. And I find that fun. And there's certain things in Dutch that I really like to read. So if I'm ever feeling like, ugh, I don't feel like doing my Dutch homework, I start with the things that I enjoy doing the most. Okay, my dear ones, let's do a little recap. Non-work or business-related passions are important because it adds more balance, harmony, and joy into your experience, and it raises your overall energy frequency, and you're doing it solely for the passion. We prioritize which passions to focus on now by getting into our emotions. Where would we feel the most regret for not doing something? What makes us feel most free, alive, and passion-filled for pursuing? And lastly, you want to think about getting it into your calendar on the weekly 
And so you can create forcing functions by signing up for a class. You can block it off your calendar and you can make conditions. I can't eat that piece of chocolate cake until I pursue my passion for at least 10 minutes. And my invitation for you this week is to do your passion project inventory. Write them all down on a piece of paper and then go through the process I shared to whittle it down to three to five, depending on your human design type, and start pursuing your passions today. And that's all I have to share for this week. May it serve you on your path. And as always, until next time, may your soul guide the way. Are you ready to fill your business with soul clients in the next 60 days? Then download my free energy upgrade meditation to amp up your energy frequency, dissolve the doubt, and attract the soul clients you are destined to serve. Find a link to download on my website, alisonscammell.com, as well as in the show notes.